If I tell you that we learn on the first page of a posthumous confession that the narrator, who's also the main character, has murdered his wife, and furthermore, if I tell you that he's a deeply unattractive and self-obsessed individual, you may well wonder what I'm doing here. But if I tell you that the entire novel consists of Willem Tamir's fictional confession so that you are trapped in his world and must choose whether to believe his account of himself or to step outside it to exercise your own judgment, you might be intrigued. And if I tell you that Tamir is a complex and changeable individual who's convinced of his own abnormality and inferiority, you may begin to sense that we're on dangerous territory that is not unconnected, for example, with the mental world of Elliot Roger, who we've been reading about this week. Depicting his youthful self, studying his physical defects in the mirror, Tamir writes, and so pathetic a creature as this, hankered after women, saw them day and night before its eyes, viewed work and study only as a way of filling up empty time. Was it possible to be worse equipped for the life goal toward which nature presses? My reflection irritated me. I felt an impulse to smash the mirror to pieces. The world of The Hague in the 19th century is the setting for this novel. Think wealth, status, conformity, with respectability as the highest virtue. Quite unlike the turbulent and creative world of Amsterdam. Willem Tamir was born into a well-to-do bourgeois family, becoming a young man of independent means while still at school, and a wife murderer by the age of 35. In between, he travels to Paris and Switzerland in search of new experience, but cuts a rather provincial figure and chooses to return to the modest environment of the Netherlands where he marries his guardian's daughter. The portrait of their marriage is utterly fascinating as Tamir depicts its touchingly hopeful beginnings before circumstances conspire to drive the pair apart. Or, before Tamir's inherited weakness of character gradually comes to the fore. Or, before his unfortunate responses to events around him destroy all possibility of a meaningful relationship. It depends on how you, the reader, decide to interpret it. The writing itself is chilling, unnerving, even forensic, in J. M. Coutsey's stunning translation of the 19th century Dutch writer's work. So one reason why you should read this book is because you get two writers for the price of one. A small example. To be free, to be completely free again. First I took the unopened file and read the printed label. Insomnia, pain, neuralgia, Syrup of chloral. Then with a tug I threw open the curtain and looked. There she lay, pale, motionless, 
with purplish eyelids, half-open blanched lips, just like a corpse. She did not awake, but after a moment turned half over. For a while I continued to stare at her. I was terrified that she might wake up. This crime of opportunity, of acting on impulse, which, according to the confession, remains undetected, will be punished in the mind of Willem Tamir. The urge to shout out, shall I tell you how she died? I, I murdered her, will confine him as surely as any prison. Here are the opening words of the confession. My wife is dead and buried. I am alone at home, alone with the two maids. So I am free again. Yet what good is it to me, this freedom? I am within reach of what I've wanted for the last 20 years, but I have not the courage to grasp it and would anyhow no longer enjoy it very much. I'm too frightened of anything that excites me, too frightened of a glass of wine, too frightened of music, too frightened of women. But what happened to Tamir? Why a posthumous confession? You must read this book. <laughs>